Open your Bibles, if you will, to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter number 5 is where we're going to look this morning. This is called, these, these next handful of chapters, the Sermon on the Mount. What we're going to read this morning is, is the Beatitudes, okay? That is, that is the beginning of it when Christ talks about the attitudes of His believers. And I think it's important that as we read this, we understand the setting of the scene in which we are at. Because if you go to the Holy Land with me, you'll, you'll find that, that most of the guides paint a picture of Jesus on a hillside teaching this gargantuan crowd of people. But that's not the Bible scene. That's not how it really was. Because the Sermon on the Mount, he was training people in kingdom principles. And the larger group of people had no spiritual foundation upon which to grasp kingdom principles. And so this is given these verses, these chapters, to a specific group of people that, that were his disciples. So notice with me in verse number 1, and seeing the multitudes, okay? So there's the greater group. Everybody with me? That's the big group, the multitudes. And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came unto him. So the next verse says, and he opened his mouth and taught them saying. So the them that he is speaking to is not the multitudes. He sees the multitudes. He leaves the multitudes and climbs up on a mountainside. When he sets down, his disciples then follow him and they gather around him. So the multitudes are below. Jesus is on a mountainside and the disciples are sitting around him. And he opens his mouth and teaches them, the disciples. Verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Now I want to jump back to, to verse 9, and I want, to, I want to draw that out especially for our attention today. I want us to, I want to take some time and look at verse number 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. It's quite a statement. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Let's pray. Father, help us today. Give us... Dear Lord, what, what we have need of, and only you can do that, God. I can speak to ears, but you can speak to hearts. I can make an application of 
what I've read and what you've given me today, but only you can take that application and apply it as each life needs it. And so I pray that you would bless. Bless those that are here today. We're grateful for them. Pray that you would do your work in our lives and in our hearts, and we'll thank you for everything you do. In the name of Jesus, we pray these things. Amen. In the salutation that Paul wrote to the letter of Romans, Paul writes these words. Listen to this. Romans chapter 1, verse 7. To all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints. Listen to this next phrase. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and then peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. That same phrase, grace and peace, is used in 13 different salutations in the books that the Apostle Paul was used by God to write. It was used by Peter in both of the books that bear his name. It was used by the Apostle John in his third letter. And then it was used by Jude. It's a very important phrase there. And there's a, lesson, there's a lesson in the arrangement of that divine couplet, grace always precedes peace. You never find it where there's peace and then grace. There's a lesson in that. The, 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 the realization that God is trying to bring us to is that we remember that because we are sinners, listen to me, you're a sinner by birth and you're a sinner by choice, okay? It's a double whammy. You not only were born in sin, but you chose to sin. And that's the world in which we live, and that's the problem that we've all struggled with and we face. And because of that, we are, by nature, children of turmoil and children of chaos. And yet, by God's good grace, as it enters into our life, then, then God brings peace to our heart and order to our lives. The reason our world is so filled with chaos is because our world is so empty of Christ. The, the reason our world is in such a a mess. We're so filled with hatred and anger and people are shaking their fists and, 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 and the, the poll that came out this past week is that less people believe in God than at any time in our history of our nation. That ought not be shocking to you because as Satan works and blinds people's eyes, they're blinded to the gospel, they're blinded to grace, and they're, they're absolutely empty of peace. In Israel, in Israel the phrase is shalom alechem. And that means simply peace to you. Most of the time when you go there, it's just shortened and it's just shalom. And you say it when you greet someone and you say it when you're saying farewell. It's peace at hello and it's peace at goodbye. It's, it's shalom. They're wishing you, granting you peace in your life. Now it's obvious that peace holds a very high value in the Bible, okay? Stay with me. It's very obvious that, that peace is a valued commodity in the Scripture. The peace offering itself is mentioned 87 times in the Scriptures. Five times, God Himself is known as the God of peace. Five different times. And, and, and even when He's called the God of love, Peace is coupled with that. Uh, 1 Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11, Paul said, Finally, brethren, farewell. Um, be perfect, be of good comfort, be of one mind, live in peace, listen to this, 
and the God of peace, uh, excuse me, and the God of love and peace shall be with you. And so God, God is not just love, God is peace. He's not just the God of love, he is, he is the God of peace. And the reason that we so often don't have peace in our life is because there's been a fracture somewhere in our fellowship with God. Somehow, somehow we've lost our connection. Now listen to me. Listen. The reality of the matter is my peace does not come from my relationship with you. It doesn't come from my relationship with any institution or any person. My peace comes from my relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's, that's clearly seen in the Bible. It, it comes from God. People cannot take it from you. This is a lesson I learned many years ago that has helped me through my life, especially in my ministry. My peace comes from my relationship with my Savior. Nobody in the entire world can take my peace from me. I must surrender it in order to lose it. I can accuse somebody else of stealing my peace, but oftentimes in my life, in my situation, when I'm running low on peace, it's the fault of the man in the mirror that stares back at me. Now I want to say, first of all, that God intends us to have peace in our life. Now I'm glad for that, aren't you? I'm grateful, I'm grateful that God <laughs> intends us to have peace. Peace is helping me now as you stare at me. And, and uh, with, with your face is like, what in the world is happening to him? But anyhow, just, just hang with me. We'll get where we're going today, okay? I'm just thanking God for peace today. Now, so, so God intends us to have peace, okay? I want you to think about it. Just follow my thinking right here. Listen to what the Bible says. First of all, peace is a blessing from God. Peace is a, do you want God's blessings on your life? Peace is a blessing from God. Psalm 29, verse 11, the Lord will give strength unto his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. That's what God said. I didn't write that. God wrote it. And so, you know, he's sitting there saying, man, my life is in chaos. My life is in absolute turmoil right now. But where do you want, look, do you, do you want peace? And you got to go to God because that's, look, you can't, I can talk with you. I can try to help you, but I can't impart peace to you. Okay. I can wax eloquent. I can say four score and seven years ago. I mean, I can, I can, I can come up with some beautiful speech and, and plagiarize Lincoln and, and William Jennings Bryan and all the great writers of past history and really wax eloquent. But you know what? You'll walk away as empty as you came. Because I do not have the ability, nor does anyone around you or in this room or in your family or your bloodline, nobody has the ability to impart peace to you because peace comes from the Father, okay? Number two, God commands us to seek peace. Psalm 34, verse 14, depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. I, I, I tell people, look, you don't, have to, you, don't have to, you don't have to take the red cape out and invite trouble. Have you ever met somebody that just looked like they were looking for trouble? I mean, if drama runs out in their life, they're going to create drama somewhere down the line because they can't live without drama because they're addicted to it. So there's always got to be something going on in their life or they feel somehow life is boring. No, no, no. You don't, you don't have to invite trouble. Let me help you with this. It will ring your doorbell tomorrow. They're just going to find you. 
Right? When everything goes good, you think everything is fine. Guess what shows up on your doorstep tomorrow? Trouble. Okay? It's a part of life. Trouble is seeking you. So while trouble seeks you, the best thing for you to do is to seek peace. Don't seek trouble. Number four, peace reveals our character. Psalm 37, verse 37. Mark the perfect man. Listen to this. And behold the upright, for the end of that man is peace. Okay? So, so, so the reality of the matter is peace, to a certain degree, reveals our character. If we, if we don't have peace... It's not because it's not available. It's because we're not seeking it and we're not claiming it to be our own. Peace brings balance to us. Psalm 85 verse 10, Mercy and truth are met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. And so the righteousness of our life, which comes from Christ, and the peace from our life, which comes from Christ, they've kissed. In other words, there's a relationship going on within us of, of, of righteous living and of peaceful living, okay? That, that's, that's, what, that's what God, He wants to bring a balance to us. He wants to bring balance to us. We, we should have both righteousness and both peace. I've got dear friends of mine that are so counterbalanced some way or another, with, uh, overbalanced uh, rather than counterbalanced in their life with something that they just it's it's their pet peeve in life get rid of your pet peeves and let god bring balance to your life peace is a byproduct of our relationship with christ proverbs chapter 16 verse 7 when a man's ways please the lord he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him that's a great scripture <laughs> number seven peace is the inward sign of his lordship romans fourteen seventeen. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. What's meat and drink? It's outward things. You go home today, what are you going to do? You're going to eat meat and drink, okay? All right, so you got it there on the table. That's outward. But listen to this. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. What are those? They're all inward. So you're not going to obtain peace from some outward source, okay? How many of you take super beats? Wow, no wonder you're so unhealthy. I do. Anyhow, I'm just saying, look, you can't, you can't order it, okay? It's not going to, it's not, Amazon's not going to drop it off at your front door. You're not going to get on and say, look, yeah, I like two buckets apiece and last me, you know, six months supply. No, it's not going to happen. It's not an external thing. Peace comes from within you. It comes from within you. It comes from recognizing the Lordship of Jesus Christ and that God is in control of your life. And, and that he's the only one that you can turn to and find the peace that you need. Let me give you this. Peace is produced by the Holy Spirit of God. Here's, here's, listen, listen to this. Uh, Galatians 5.22, But the fruit, of the, Spirit, uh, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, number three, peace. Who produces that in you? The Spirit of the living God. So you're telling me the Holy Spirit lives in you, but you don't have peace. Well, why? Because that's the fruit he wants to produce in your life. And I've been there before where I haven't had it. And do you know why I haven't had it? Because I didn't let him produce it within me. I wasn't, I wasn't willing. You know, you know what my problem was? I was holding on to Dean's steering wheel far tighter 
than I should have been. And rather than turning my life over and trusting my God, listen carefully, rather than trusting my God, rather than doing that, I was in control of Dean. And boy, that didn't bring me much peace. And I'm, gonna be, I'm just being honest with you. There have been times in my life I've been in real turmoil. And the times that I've been in the greatest turmoil in my life is when I have been in control and would not allow the Holy Spirit of God to produce in me what He wanted to produce in me. When I yield me to Him, He produces the fruit of peace in my life. Number nine, peace will bring you through the storms. Philippians 4, 7, And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So when a storm arises in your life, what gives you the comfort and the confidence? I was talking to Clint this morning and I told him that we were praying for him. And, um, and Clint looked me in the face and he said, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. He's going for a big test Wednesday. Clint looks me in the face and said, Pastor, it's going to be okay. Where does that peace come from? It, 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 it comes from the Spirit of God. And the peace of God, which, listen to this, passes all understanding. It's the only place you get it. I don't think she get it. When my grandson died, my grandson died after praying and begging and pleading and weeping and sobbing. The only thing that held us together was the peace of God, listen to me, that passes understanding. Doesn't make sense, can't figure it out. Why haven't they come unglued? Why aren't they on the edge of a cliff wanting to jump? Why aren't they depressed? You know why? Because there's a peace that passes understanding. It makes no logical sense. You can't diagram it on a chalkboard, but it's what God produces inside of us that brings us through the hardships and the difficulties of life. Let me give you this. Let me give you this. There's some things in my life that are not for sale. Okay, they were gifts to me. If you come and say, Pastor, I'll give you $5,000 for your gun cabinet. Can't buy it. 10000 Okay. No, I'm kidding. I, no. I, look, I, if you, if, whatever you offer me, you're not getting my gun cabinet. You know why you're not getting my gun cabinet? My dad made it. My dad made it for me. That was a gift for me. I, look, I'm really sentimental, okay? I'm really sentimental. I've, I've, got, a, uh, <laughs> I've got a glue gun in, in my shop that has a half a stick of glue unused in it. You know why? Because that's as far as my dad got with that. I think finally somebody confiscated it, one of my kids. Thank you, John. But anyhow, I, I don't know. I, but but that's, you know why that's sentimental to me? Because that was my dad's, that was my dad's gun, okay? Now, I'll give you my gun, but I'm not going to give you that gun because I'm, I'm, a, I'm a sentimentalist, okay? That's just the way it is, and, and I love that kind of stuff. L let me show you something to be sentimental over. Watch this. Um, 2 Thessalonians 3.16, listen to this verse. 2 Thessalonians 3.16, listen to this. Now the Lord of peace himself give you peace, always by all means, the Lord be with you all. You know something we ought to be sentimental about is the fact that, that peace is given to us by the Lord of peace. That's what it says. The Lord himself give you peace. So Jesus comes to me and says, hey Dean, I got something for you. Here's peace. That ought to mean something to me. I ought, not, I ought not surrender that at the first 
volley, of the first trouble. I ought not fall apart. You know why? Because I have something that is sentimental to me, something that me. I was given peace by the Lord of peace himself. That's the exact words. I want to tell you something, dear friend. Listen to me. If you're struggling today and you've got, you got woes in your life and you're, you're on the edge, you're, you're bent out of shape, chaos and turmoil is raging through you, we've all been there. Every one of us has been there. But I want to just tell you today that, 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 that the Lord of peace himself can do something in your heart that no one else can do. Now, if that's true, all those things I just read, if all that's true, then why do we lose our shalom? I mean, why is it that one day we wake up and shalom is long gone? And we lose the peace of our life. Let, let, let me talk with you for just a moment. God intends us not just to have peace, but to keep it, okay? That's the purpose of God in our life. Remember, do you remember when Peter was in the boat? How many of you know the story of Peter in the ship, and he gets out and walks on the water, and everybody criticizes Peter for sinking, and nobody else got out of the boat, okay? You say whatever you want to. Say whatever you want to about Peter, but he's the guy that, that had water under his feet, okay? Everybody else stayed in the boat. So let me just say this to you. It's real easy to stay in the boat and criticize the guy that's sinking, you know, 25 yards away from the boat, but at least he walked there, okay? So let's be careful in our criticism of Peter. So, so here's Peter. Wait a minute. Here's Peter. And, and, and he said, Lord, if, it, if it's you, bid me to walk on the water to you. So Jesus said, come on. And so Peter steps out of the boat, and with perfect peace, Peter is just walking on the water. Can you imagine that? been months since I've done it but anyhow so so you're out he's out walking across the water here you know and and uh it, it's 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 amazing that he had the peace in the middle of a storm to get out of the boat and to walk toward the Lord what changed what took his peace from him it's that he took his eyes off of Christ and placed his eyes on the storm around him. And when he started focusing on the storm, suddenly his peace was taken from him. And, and I'm just being transparent with you. Nobody's superhuman. We're all bulletproof. So let's don't play the Pharisee game here, okay? It's a good time right now to take your mask off and put it under your chair. You can pick it on, put it on later, okay? Let's just be real. The reality of the matter is we've all done that. At some point in all of our lives, we've begun to sink in the troubles that surround us. And so here's Dean. Things are going good. And he's just praising God. He's out walking through his trouble. And it's like, yeah, Jesus, I'm coming. And it's all good. And then all of a sudden, I start thinking about, yeah, but what about how am I going to? How do I navigate this? There have been times in the history of this church, financially, where I've laid awake at night and worried, because this has been way back, but, but things were tight, and I'm praying, and you know, just, I'm just concerned, and I'm responsible, and I'm praying for, we've been through a, you know, one year we had 10 families move away. You think that won't impact you financially? 
So I'm tossing and turning, and I'm flipping and flopping in the bed, just trying to figure out, you know, dear God, what's going to happen? We got this, we need help. And, and it's like God said to me, whoa, how many times have I helped you through situations and blessed and provided? Has there been one time that I've let you down? No, there hasn't been. Well, then go to sleep. It's my church, not yours. And I want to tell you, every single time God brings peace, and, 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 and we, we have to, we, listen, if we begin to sink, it's because we're losing our focus on Jesus. Hey, look at me. If, if we look at each other, or we look at the problems around us, it's not going to sustain us in the storm. The Bible says in Isaiah 26, verse 3, Thou wilt keep. Him in perfect peace whose mind is what? Stayed on thee. So when my mind is stayed on Christ, when my focus is not on the world around me or the problems around me or the people that have disappointed me, He gives me peace. When I lose my peace is when I begin to think about those that have you know, maybe people disappoint you, or they've betrayed you, or they've lied to you. And so now you're just, you're in a real fit because somebody did you wrong. Well, get over it. That's life. Keep your eyes on Jesus, and he'll keep you in perfect peace. He'll give you the ability uh, to do that. By the way, let me say, listen to me. Peace is the climate in which all other blessings thrive. So if you don't have peace in your life, I can give you $100 and it's not going to last. Okay, peace, peace is the climate that every other blessing of God thrives in. And without peace, they all die a premature death. There is no waste of energy, no waste of energy and emotions like that which is wasted in discord. Discord in, in our lives Nothing wears away at us like strife and discord. Nothing chills the heart quite like it. Nothing creates suspense and drama quite like discord and strife. It's the nurse of anger. It's the nurse of unfairness, of outrage, of pride, of revenge, of injustice. And as sinners, as sinners, remember, by birth and by choice, we are prone to discord and we're prone to augment discord in the life of others and in the situations around us. We live in the middle of discord. That's the problem with the guy you work with. That's the problem with your family member, your aunt, that stirs something up. <laughs> and every family get together that's her problem she's prone to discord because she lives she lives for the storm and i want to tell you if you've lost your peace you've got to get your eyes off of the storm or the people that caused it and you've got to get your eyes back on jesus hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 says looking unto jesus the author and finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him uh, endured the cross despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the father and, 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 the, and it says, um, for consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself. Listen, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. 
What causes us to faint? We, 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 we miss our peace. What causes us to miss our peace? We're not looking unto Jesus, the author, beginner, and finisher of our faith. We're looking at somebody else. If my wife looked at me long enough, she would die from a heart attack of love. No, okay, all right. So that, no, okay. She just got nauseated. No, you know what? If my wife looked at me long enough, you know what she'd do? She'd be disappointed. You know why? Because I'm a disappointing person. Because I have flaws. I've got flaws. If you really want to get a magnifying glass and follow me around, you'll probably be disappointed in me because I'm not perfect. Don't cut me off in traffic. I'm warning you. No, I'm just saying... No, we no, we no, no, we don't we we're not living models of perfection. We've all got blemishes and flaws. None of us are perfect. So so the reality is we're not to be looking unto Dean. Okay? Dean's not to be looking unto you. Okay? We're to be looking unto Jesus. Okay? And and because because he he endured contradiction that People were opposed to him, you see. And if we don't do that, we faint in our minds and, and we drop by the ways. More people are out of church today because they watched somebody else and they listened to somebody else than any other reason in the world. And so because somebody did them wrong, they're not in church today because they got burned by somebody. You're not supposed to be looking at somebody else. You're supposed to be looking at him. Okay, and that, that brings us all to, well, I, I'm not going to the hospital, why? Because I saw a sick person there. Well, that's, okay. That's why you're there, and that's why they're there. Because you're both sick, and that's why you're in the hospital, okay? So, so the reality of the matter is, you know, I, I, when you go to the hospital, you, you, you ought to be concerned about, about being healed, not walking around finding out what's going on with everybody else. And so in our life, we need to be very careful that we don't do that. We, 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 well, how do you know then if you've lost your peace? All right, you ready for this? And then we'll move on to our last point. But I want you to think about this. How, how, do, how do we know we've lost our focus and we aren't looking at Jesus? Then answer this question. Get ready. All right, ready? Here's the question. Are you offended? If you're offended right now, scripturally, I can tell you that you're not looking at Jesus. Because great peace have all they that love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Because we recognize the Lordship of Christ. And, and, and rather than having something eat at us and consume our minds and consume our mouth, then, then we focus on Him and on his, his word, the law is talking about his word. Great peace have all they that love thy law. It's a synonym for the Bible in Psalm 119. There's nine synonyms for the scripture. Precepts, law is one of them. And nothing shall offend them. God wants me to keep peace. Now, I want to close with this. I want you to think with me for a moment. God intends us to make peace. Okay, now I want you to, let, let's go back to our scripture, Matthew 5, 9. He's talking to his disciples. This is what he said to them. 
Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Can you imagine these guys that are sitting around and they're hearing him say this? Wait a minute. These are guys, these are guys that in their mind, um, they, 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 I think they glanced at each other with confused expressions because the reality of what they were expecting uh, is, is, is that they wanted swords and shields and blood and death and victory. On this hillside, he's talking to them about being men of peace. Can you imagine? I don't want peace. I want a sword. I don't want peace. I want a battle. But he's saying, no, no, no. I'm, I want you to be men of, of peaceable principles and practice. And then he, he's going to reveal something to him in, in Luke chapter 17 that's startling. He's not even really trying to overtake the Roman government. What? What are you doing here? Why are you here? I mean, I mean, on Palm Sunday, on Palm Sunday when he came out, all the people that were gathered there uh, uh, for, for the, for the uh, feast, they all thought that this was a revolution in the happening. And rather than coming on a white steed, he, he rode on the colt of an ass, and, and it was a pageant of, of poverty that escorted him into the city. These were, these were paupers that led him into that city. And so, what kind of a revolution is this? Where's your swords? But Jesus says to them in Luke 17, neither shall, uh, neither shall they say, lo here and lo there, for behold, the kingdom of God is within you. He, Jesus said, listen, there's going to come a time when people will say, there's the kingdom, here's the kingdom, this guy's bringing in the kingdom, that guy's bringing in the kingdom. Jesus says, no, 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 no. Let me tell you where the kingdom is at. It's in you. I'm not interested in overthrowing the Roman government. I'm interested in overthrowing your government. I, I don't care if my throne is in Jerusalem right now. It'll be there later. I, I'm not trying to overtake the governments of this world. I'm trying to overtake your government. See, the real estate Jesus wants today is Dean's real estate inside of who I am. No, no, Dean, the kingdom of God is within you, son. Jesus, I'm involved in a great cause, okay? And, and there's, by the way, there's nothing wrong with that. I've been involved in causes. I'm very active in those things. I love it. I've I'm, I'm, got opinions. I'm grateful for it. Thankful for my freedom. But Jesus wants me. He wants my heart. He wants the quiet place, the secret place down deep inside who I am. And that's where he wants to set up his throne. Blessed are the peacemakers. Listen to this statement. For they shall be called the children of God. That's not referring to a title. Okay, well, who is he? Well, he's a peacemaker. So now he's also wearing a tag. If you'll notice, it says the children of God. So he, he's got a title. Peacemaker, children of God. And by seeing the children of God, you know he's a peacemaker because that's what they're called. That's not what that's talking about. If you study that and do a word study on it, it means to cry out. 
Nathan and John played high school football in Orlando while we were traveling to raise money for support, okay? So there was, there's a situation in Florida where they could play, they could play uh, homeschool, they could play football at, at the Christian school there. So I, I told them they could play that year and while we traveled and we'd miss them for a few months. But I was able to make it back for some ball games. And I would sit in the stands and I would cheer them on. And, and I would yell. John would make a great tackle. I would, I would yell, you know, that's my son. Or Nathan would catch a pass and score. I, I would yell, that's my son. And, and, and it was because of the fact that I was proud of what they had done. That's exactly what this is talking about. You know what it's saying? It's saying that God said when he sees his children making peace, hey, that's my child. That's my child. It's, it, the word means to cry out. It means that God is not ashamed to call us his children because we are busy about the matter of engaging in bringing peace. It brings delight to the heart of the Father. It also means that the loudest statement you will ever make in your life is when you're a peacemaker. That's the biggest statement you'll ever make to other people in the world is that you are a peacemaker. Now, let me help you with this. In order, I don't even know what a storm chaser is, okay? These guys are really, yeah. So, I mean, they ride around in cars videoing tornadoes coming at them, okay? So they're, they're there, you know, their hairpiece blew off like five minutes ago and it's in another state. And, and they're standing there watching this tornado rip. I mean, you're, you're watching cows and barns go around in a circle, and they're videoing this. Okay, they're storm. You know what? You know what they're doing? They they chase storms because in order to fulfill their job as a storm chaser or their hobby, whatever it is, they have to find a storm. But wait a minute. Blessed are the peacemakers. You know what that means? That means there has to be turmoil. There's turmoil. That's I mean, there's nothing to be a peacemaker where, where everybody's at peace. So to be a peacemaker, you need turmoil. It may be in your own life or it may be in the life of other people that you step in and you bring peace about. Maybe, it, maybe it's just a singular person that is engaged in such a tumultuous period in their life that, 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 that it's eating them alive and you come to them as a peacemaker. You try to bring peace to their life. It's, it's important. In shalom, in the Bible, it goes far beyond a symbol that you wear around your neck or on a bumper sticker on your car. I want to tell you, it, 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 it diffuses anger and revenge and brings healing into the life of people. Now, let me say this, and I'm going to wrap it up, but I want you to listen because this is really important biologically, the human body responds to conflict in one or two ways, fight or flight. Everybody. Everybody does. When, when, when there's conflict and there's turmoil, some people are fighters, some people are flighters, okay? You either cut and run or you stand and swing. One, one or the two. And everybody has an inner bend toward one or the other of those responses. You either check out when conflict erupts 
or you take scalps. One of the two. Now, the problem with both of those situations is neither one is healthy. Checking out isn't healthy. It, it accomplishes nothing. Taking scalps is not healthy. One person does one. The other person does the other. If, if, you, if, if we could follow that to an extreme, okay, we're on the top of a mountain, and we follow checking out all the way down to it hits bottom, the furthest extreme of checking out, the, the extreme of checking out is the ultimate checkout. It's suicide. If you want to go the other way, and let's take the two and let it fall on the other side of the mountain and follow it all the way to the bottom, okay? It's taking scalps, getting angry. It's murder. And I've... I've sat in homes, I've sat in homes with weeping parents that ask me why. Because the checking out has ruined their life at the extreme. And I've sat and looked through bar windows in a prison and talked with a guy that just snapped. He just went to the extreme of his anger. See, here's our problem. We're willing to live all in between those extremes and accept it. There's a third response that takes far more discipline than the other two and, and brings greater reward, and that's peacemaking. It's, it's the ability that when conflict arises, we are intentional it requires thought and purpose and work with God's Spirit in the middle of conflict. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Well, how are you blessed as a peacemaker? Well, you're more like Jesus because unto us a child is born, and his name shall be called, the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. If you want to be like Jesus, be a peacemaker. How are you blessed? You're blessed because you've learned to control your tongue. Proverbs 15:1, a soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. Psalm 141, verse 3, set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth and keep the door of my lips. Boy, is that not hard? Is that not hard? It is hard. It's difficult. I remember when I was in high school going through some real hard, it was a hard time period back in Savannah, Georgia. And my mouth was unhinged. And I was so afraid around my dear godly mother that I was going to say something that was going to break her heart. You know what my problem was? My mouth. I had no control. I gave and took and gave and took. It was just the day that I lived in. I was saved at the age of 12. But boy, I had a struggle. You know what, you know what happened? You know what happened? What happened is that from that time as I got my heart right with God, it still was a struggle with my mouth. 
because something would happen and a word would come out. I'm a Bible college student and something happens and a word comes out and I'm like, oh my word, where'd that come from? The heart. Came from the heart. And, and so a peacemaker learns to control their mouth and a peacemaker is blessed because God has taught them to love one another. First Thessalonians 4 verse 9, but as touching brotherly love, you have no need that I write unto you for ye yourselves have taught of God to love one another. Ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another. I, I've spent a good portion of my ministry talking to Christian people and trying to get them to love other people. You, you know what? I, it doesn't do any good. Because the teacher of love is God. We're, we're people of love. And, and if we, we can't learn from God to love, we're probably not going to do it in a message or a, or, or a session. I don't have that ability. We can retaliate, we can seek retribution, or we can seek restoration. The, the choice is ours. Now look at me and listen to me. Whether you're a peacemaker or not is your choice. You can't blame that on somebody else. You, you can't point your finger at somebody else and say, I'm not a peacemaker because of, because of they did or this, they treated me or they, I'm not a peacemaker. No, no, no. The peacemaking part is your choice. Something we have to make. Now this week, somewhere, this week, you ready for this? This is great. This is an assignment. I'm not giving you an assignment. I'm warning you of the upcoming assignment. This week, this week, before next Sunday rolls around, something's going to happen that's going to present you with the opportunity to make peace or make war. It's going to happen. It's coming. Get ready for it. The choice is yours. God said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Let's pray. One of the great joys, one of the great joys is coming into a situation that's hard and difficult, and you're able to bring peace. Okay? One of the, it's one of the great joys is being able to bring peace. Maybe your neighbor, maybe a guy on the job, you know what, he, you know what he's doing? He's, he's taking dope because he's just, he, he just he's trying to, he doesn't have peace, so he's numbing himself. Maybe it's a guy that when he gets off work or a lady, she gets off work, you know what she does? She goes straight down to the bar. You know why? Because there's no peace in her life or no peace in her heart. She's just trying to get by. Right? Bring peace to him, would you? If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, can I tell you that God Almighty will save your soul today if you'll let him? If you'll come to us afterwards and say, Pastor Dean, I, I'd like to know for sure how I'm going to heaven when I die. We'll be glad to take your Bible and show you how you can trust Christ and have Jesus Christ inside of your heart as your personal Savior. He'll do that for you if you'll let him today. If you're struggling with peace and you need somebody to help pray with you, I'll be glad to do that. I'll be glad to pray for you. God will bring peace to you. Remember, it's the fruit of the Spirit. Not, it's not the fruit of the pastor. It's not the fruit of your neighbor. It's, it's, it's the fruit of the Spirit. 
He's the only one that can produce that peace in your heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for your love and your mercy. I pray that you would bless today. And God, there are struggles in this world and in this life. So help us, I pray, to be people of peace, to seek it, to recognize where it comes from, and to share it, Lord, even with other people, to, to be the peacemaker that you would have us to be. Lord, give us opportunities to do that this week and help us to be mindful of them. In Jesus' name, I pray these things. Amen.